everything. Wildcard was the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Thoughts on that, and now what? What next? Armstrong Yeti got into a lot of the scenarios. There are more. We will explain as the day goes by. Mark Larson here. Happy Monday to you on all fronts where you can find happiness in these COVIDian times. San Diego's talk, AM 760. Our number is always 800-760-5362. Follow along, won't you? Like us on Facebook at Mark Larson Media, on, uh, on Twitter, where Donald Trump plays often in the tweet sandbox. You can go over to Mark Larson Radio, M-A-R-K-L-A-R-S-O-N. If you can't spell radio, ask for a government school refund because you should be able to handle that just oh so well. And, of course, we're on the iHeart Radio app, which is free as well. Later on in the hour, the embattled auditor of the, well, the independent auditor hired by Sandag, embattled by Sandag. Uh, she'll be back with us to, uh, after uh, 10, uh, 10.30, 10.35 today. Because it got ugly, and it could get even more ugly. That was in the meeting on Friday. So much Friday seems like a week and a half ago. You know, the passing of Ginsburg and all the drama, what Trump's going to do, what the Senate's going to do, and then the Sandag stuff. It's only our money. Um, and then, and then today, there are a lot of things going on with regard to the virus crisis. Right today at five o'clock, San Diego County supervisors will be meeting in closed session again. Wink, wink. Part two of the thing on Thursday, Nathan Fletcher is already saying, yeah, I'm not going to play with it. He'll be the no vote on whatever it is, unless it's his way, which is not going to be, when they're trying to put pressure on Governor Newsom. So Fletcher is holding his own preemptive press conference this morning at 1030, and we'll tell you what happened. Here's, I'll just tell you what's going to happen. He's going to say, like he did in his press release that he really shouldn't have put out because of the closed meeting rules, but um, he's not going to discuss it, however. We should fight the virus together, not each other. We should not fight the state. We should not fight the state of California with the apparently impeccable health rules because Newsom is just brilliant. Yes, that's what he's saying. So he has a couple of medical experts with him at this press conference. I just tell you, there are a lot of medical experts who don't agree with what he's saying because he's, he's just not happy about speedily or even slowly reopening anything. Because that would mean then if there's less control from government, then Newsom can't have his emergency order that gives him a lot of things he can do under the emergency since, what, March? So this is the other thing. If you let up to, if you get back to normal and that emergency power goes away, then you're back to having to do things the old-fashioned way with what the people want as opposed to, I'm the governor, there. You want an answer? No. Alex Berenson is back with us, a former New York Times reporter, controversial he, especially when he published his first book about the unreported truths of the history of the lockdowns, and Amazon didn't like it, and they pulled him, and then Elon Musk said, hey, what about free speech? So uh, Musk shamed <laughs> Amazon into to letting it be for sale. It is. You can find it on Alex Berenson's website. His new part two of unreported truths is out. So when you hear all this, Alex, again, uh, welcome back. You know, the, the whole battle now is, well, we're opening too fast again. We might have to close down San Diego County for a, th for a third time, go from this color-coded number two back to number one, which is as ugly as it gets. And, and you know, the, some of these elected officials are saying we need a little more lockdown, not fewer lockdowns. What do you think? Uh, this is insane, okay? This is insane. And people need to uh, try, if they can, remember six months ago, and the idea was, uh, we're going to lock down temporarily. Our health system may be near collapse. There's going to be so many COVID patients arriving in hospitals that the hospitals aren't going to be able to deal with them. 
uh, you know, doctors and nurses are going to get sick. Other people who have other serious ailments are not going to be able to be treated. We need to prevent that from happening. And that was based, it was based on, you know, a misimpression of what had happened in Wuhan and then some fear about what had happened in Italy um, in early March. Uh, now, the reality is that at no time anywhere in the United States, as far as I can tell, anywhere in the world, did any regional health system ever come under the serious threat of collapse. New York was the closest, and there were some individual hospitals in New York where things got ugly for a few weeks. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. But even in New York City, the extra beds that were brought in for the field hospitals and the medical ships were essentially never used. The not to mention the right. internal extra space the hospitals had created. So that was six months ago, right? Six months ago, the, and that is really the only justification for lockdowns, period. Okay, because what we've learned, and what we've learned from Sweden, and what we've learned from the Sun Belt, and what we've learned from uh, you know uh, Brazil and other places, and this is what was predicted by by people before all of this happened, is that lockdowns don't really change the course of this epidemic. Right, they can just delay it. But when when Biden was asked about this the other day and, uh, you know, whichever media availability or or debate that way, it's the town hall. Well, I didn't want to I listen to science. We won't lock everything down. But even just the talk about it could, as Newsom likes to say, toggle on, toggle back, dimmer switch, all of that. Um, And at the same time, here's a headline this morning in the San Diego Union-Tribune, and they're basically regurgitating uh, an article from the Washington Post and some from your old employers at the New York Times, Alex Berenson. Uh, the headline says, Virus unpredictable as death toll in U.S. heads to 200,000. Because here we come, you know, these milestones, they, they freak out at a different sure. level. But it says it's a staggering toll, almost 200,000 people dead, and it is, from the coronavirus in the U.S., nearly five times that many, close to one million people around the world. And if you dig into this, it says, And the pandemic, which sent cases spiking skyward in many countries, then trending downward after lockdown. Lockdowns has reached a precarious point. Will countries like the U.S. see the virus continue to slow in the months ahead, or is it a new surge? So again, the answer is always, they say, lockdowns. But you debunk that in your part two of Unreported Truths. Right. And, and, you know, and, you know, I I actually tweeted something this morning that has now gotten a fair bit of attention. A lot of people are retweeting it. Um, So, so. If you go, you know, if you look at sort of like the big CDC figures, you see, okay, many, many people had uh, serious conditions, um, you know, that, 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 that most people who died from COVID, the average number of pre-existing conditions is 2.6, um, you know, and that could be something like hypertension or, uh, you know, heart disease. So those things, I think people have a hard time sort of like understanding what that actually means. So, so Milwaukee, the, the city of Milwaukee, the, the county of Milwaukee has a coroner's office and they actually post death certificate information, not with names, but it's, it's uh, you know the the actual causes of death and and they and you can look and sort by deaths that are listed as COVID related. So when you look at those deaths, you see over and over again these are incredibly sick people. Okay, they, they are they're you know it's a 90 year old with dementia and chronic heart disease. It's an 83 year old with end stage renal failure. It's a you know 55 year old with morbid obesity and chronic kidney disease. Right, and we're not discounting those deaths. So people say you're being no, insensitive. Okay. No, this is just, you have to know this is the rest of it when they tag everything with COVID. You, people need to understand who this disease actually is killing. And, 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 and by the way, if you have those diseases, you are your life expectancy in many cases is, is a matter of weeks or months. Okay, I, I am sorry to have to say it that bluntly. 
it is a fact. And I don't, and I, and, and, and we have shut down the world. And as a result, okay, the numbers on deaths are effectively meaningless at this point. Okay, we don't really know in the United States or anywhere else how many people have died with COVID, from COVID, or as a result of the lockdowns, um, or as a result of the medical system panic that happened in March and April. One reason that deaths were so much lower this summer relative to the number of cases is probably because there was somewhat less fear. Mm. Okay, I have heard from people whose relatives died in nursing homes or hospitals, in some cases actually starved to death. Oh, okay, because if you had mild dementia or moderate dementia and the nurses were not willing to sit with you and feed you because they were afraid that you had COVID and this happened, okay, according to according to people who are telling to me who have no reason to lie, who are the family members of these people who died, mm. some of those people actually died as a result. And people have died. Alzheimer's deaths are way, way up this year. That is probably because even since then, um, people are not really allowed to see family members in nursing homes. I understand there's fear of that, but people with Alzheimer's or dementia decline really fast when they are unmoored from their families. Right, and now so, we've been so, in this so long, we start to think, oh, it's just the uh, it's the COVID thing. It's horrible, and if we just get yeah. rid of that, everything else will be fine. Well, that, that's right. That's right. So, so we have done so much that is backwards. We have done so much out of fear. We have done so much that is not science-based. And, and the people, and I understand people, there are people on the left, there are people in academia, there are people in the media, they hate Donald Trump, they want Donald Trump to go away. This, and, and my own politics are irrelevant here. As I say to people, my politics are that it is impossible to be too cynical, okay, on the left and the right. Yeah, that's right. And one way you but, can get this, we got to run to a break here, Alex. I appreciate, as always, the uh, second part of the very important Unreported Truths, a brief history of lockdowns and uh, you know, why, why they don't work, basically. You check yeah. that out, Alex Berenson. Dot com. We'll talk soon. Stay safe. Thanks, my friend. Thank you much. Mark Larson here on San Diego's Talk AM 760. And coming up, uh, up to the bottom of the hour, the embattled auditor at Sandag. Boy, is that story getting uglier. We'll get to that and much more. San Diego's Talk AM 760. How about that? A lot more swinging going to Vegas. The free iHeartRadio app is always here to make sure you have access to the information you need to stay connected and informed during uncertain times. iHeartRadio allows you access to your favorite radio stations anytime, anywhere, and on the go. As you like it, check out our daily coronavirus update podcast with multiple updates every single day. The free iHeartRadio app. And, of course, you can go to 760radio.com, get our podcasts and everything else. Uh, big deal going on today before we get back to all the rest of the news and talk to the embattled auditor from uh, Sandag, the independent auditor from Sandag. Um, as that gets uglier, we're going to talk about that at 1035. Jim Desmond, county supervisor, with us at 1105. But there's a thing going on today that's it's a real positive Um if you've been touched at all in, in your family and friends by the Alzheimer's disease or you know dementia related to that, uh, this is a great day to do something, as a lot of people are doing big time, um, to, to walk to end Alzheimer's. And you say, how do you do that in COVID times? Oh, there's a way. It's happening anyway. And Genevieve Lopez is here. She's the chair of today's event. The thing's kicking off here over the next uh, period of time. And I'm going to be involved in that as well this afternoon. So good to have you here. Walk us through what's happening and how people can help. Great. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Today's World Alzheimer's Day. And it's perfect, perfect timing for us to talk about this. Um, 
On October 3rd, we are going to have the Walk to End Alzheimer's, which is the world's largest fundraiser for Alzheimer's care support and research out here in San Diego. For North County, San Diego, our walk is on September 26th, and in Imperial County, that's on November 7th. Um, This is held annually in more than 600 communities nationwide. Um, Again, it's our world's largest fundraiser for care support and researchers. Our research, typically hundreds to thousands from across the community gather, rally, and walk to support the fight to end Alzheimer's. But as we know, this year threw us one heck of a curveball, so we're doing things a little bit differently this year. This year's event won't be a large in-person gathering, but we are still walking, as you just said. Um, from wherever you are, whether that's in your neighborhood, on your favorite trail, track, whatever that may be, we're still, there's still over 5 million people who are counting on us. Um, and so, you know, it's still happening and, and we're still, you know, there's still ways to participate. Um, and we're just inviting mm-hmm. everyone to join us. Yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. I know today we've got a lot of things uh, that I'll be doing getting ready for that. Um, we're going to do some actual rehearsal for the event, and I'll be emceeing <laughs> the opening ceremony uh, at 8.30 uh, coming up on the uh, uh, the 26th. So a lot of different things. You can go to the website. What's the best place for all the details and for people to say, hey, I want to do that? Because I, I think there's an assumption that because of the COVID situation, it's like, well, nothing's going on. Well, this is. Mm-hmm. so. It, it, yeah, it's definitely happening. Um, you can go to alv.org slash walk. And once you actually land on that page, you can kind of go to whatever link suits you. So you're, if, it, if you're in North County, there's a link for you there. If you're in, you know, middle San Diego, you can click on there. And of course, if you're in Imperial County, there's a spot for you there. Click on that. It takes you to a sign up page. You can register as a team. You can sign up as a participant or an individual. And then it's free to sign up. And, but we do encourage all participants to fundraise, whether that's on your social media, through text message, whatever that looks like for you, to, of course, you know, support Alzheimer's research. Yeah, and, you know, so many people being touched by this. I had a mother-in-law who went through uh, dementia for, for 12 years. Um, I just talked to one of our coworkers here at iHeart uh, about him losing his mom recently and just how tough that was. Uh, President Reagan is another very prominent example. In fact, you go back to 1994 when he wrote his famous um, you know, sunset letter that's up at the Reagan Library. Before that, I mean, that really helped people open their eyes to Alzheimer's and dementia, right? Because for many years, we'd say, well, you know, grandpa has hardening of the arteries or just kind of getting a little senile or whatever. But that, that didn't mm-hmm. tell the whole story, did it? Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely not. And you'd be so surprised with how many people have been impacted by this disease. Um, and so my personal story, my grandfather had dementia. He didn't ultimately pass of it, but it left a huge impact on our family that, and it changed us forever. And I wish I would have known about the Alzheimer's Association at that time, um, because it has so many great tools and resources for anyone who's going through this, whether it's you're directly impacted or if you're a caregiver. Um, it, it's just such a great resource for anyone. And it, and it's, despite, you know, it's, people being so aware of that this is a very prominent disease amongst so many different cultures and, and even age demographics. Um, it's, there's, we're so, there's so much left to do in, in research. And so this is, you know, one of the re- main reasons why we're still, we're still fighting for, for the first survivor. Mm. And there's some other aspects. I know there are flower gardens being set up for people. When all this this happens here with the walk, uh, a couple of different places, 26th for North County, October 3rd, San Diego, Imperial County, November 7th, uh, the uh, walk to end Alzheimer's. 
But when you think that, you think about the neighborhoods, you think about the support, you think about how it touches so many. And I know the stats uh, are, are really surprising, I think, to many people that in the black community, the rate of Alzheimer's is double that of the white population. Hispanics, 50 percent higher. Uh, they find in women a little more likely for a woman than a man to be mm-hmm. challenged and afflicted by this. So it's a lot of different moving parts here, right? Yeah, and in San Diego, over 60,000 people um, in San Diego and Imperial County have Alzheimer's. 180,000 people um, or caregivers in the county are unpaid. So there's a lot of alarming statistics um, that are out there right now. And it's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States, third in California. So it's, it's very prominent that we, you know, we do something about it now. That's for sure. And by the way, there's a 24-7 helpline that the Alzheimer's organization has. If you're saying, you know, you got some problems with a family member or you're, you're wondering if somebody's starting to get into the issue, Alzheimer's dementia, you're not sure what to do. 24-7, they have a helpline at 800-272-3900, 800-272-3900 that's staffed around the clock by master level clinicians who can answer all your questions. There's no judgment, whatever. It's just a great information resource, just something that they do all the time, not just today because it's World Alzheimer's Day. So again, the walk to end Alzheimer's, um, three different dates coming up here in the San Diego area from North County to San Diego proper to Imperial County all the way, uh, which is just, just on the other side of San Diego County. So go to alz.org slash walk, alz.org slash walk. Get all the details and look forward to being a part of all that with you as well. Thanks, Genevieve. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for your work, chair of the uh, local organization here at the uh, Walk to End Alzheimer's, Genevieve Lopez. And uh, again, it's alz.org, alz, like Alzheimer's, alz.org slash walk. Mary Koshmashrab is the... Auditor, the independent auditor hired by Sandbag Management, Asana Krata and his orchestra, to um, do an independent audit. First one they've had done, the compensation. You know how that came down? We talked with her a few days ago before going into the uh, the, the board meeting of the Sandbag San Diego Association member uh, group, the board. Uh, well, they had that meeting during our show on Friday, and it got pretty ugly. And she's still there as independent auditor, but the second guessing has begun. And now there's going to be the good news. There's some decisions they made in that meeting uh, to to get to the bottom of these things that she raised in the audit. But Ikrata and the management aren't all real happy about it. Again, this is their own independent auditor. So we'll talk to the auditor. Mary Koshmashrab, who will be back with us, we'll talk about what's next. She'll join us here live exclusively right after the break here at the bottom of the hour. Then Jim Desmond, county supervisor, will give us as much as he can give us on the 5 o'clock part two closed-door session with the county today. We know that Nathan Fletcher just doesn't like wherever that goes. If, if they decide to say to Governor Newsom, hey, you need to do the you, – you're ignoring our letters. If we ask you to give us some – a special treatment in San Diego County. Let us call more of the shots with the protocols. Yes, do the protocols, but don't include the San Diego State numbers. Newsom says on Thursday, <laughs> no, as he did in a petulant sort of way. Uh, so, so what I believe the county supervisors need to do is do something legally. File a lawsuit. Do something that gets his attention so he can't just ignore it and surprise them on his occasional noon um, Gavin Newsom lecture shows. He's doing one of those today, by the way. He's doing that uh, at noon. Tomorrow's bewitching day. Maybe he'll give us some hints today because San Diego's numbers look like it's going to be, well, you got to go back. We have to go back to the way it was. And 
dial back again, that's, that's not going to work. A lot of people are resisting. We'll tell you more about that. He'll be doing that at noon. That's on News Radio 600 Kogo. Mark Larson here on San Diego's Talk, AM 760. SD San Diego is a wonderful place to be. You know that. Even in these times. I know. It's tempting to get the U-Haul and leave, which I don't intend to do yet. But if you're thinking, I need to sell the house for whatever reason, maybe you're leaving. We wish you well. But if you want to sell the house and you say, man, this whole COVID thing, it's difficult to do this. It's a lot of expense to fix it up. iBuySD.com is where you can sell your house. They will buy your house. iBuySD.com. They do what the name says, iBuySD.com. If you've been uh, hanging on to a house, maybe rental property, and it's a mess, they buy houses as is. Maybe you've been... If you're a landlord not receiving rent for months, for obvious reasons in all this crisis, that can be a good plus for you. Say, listen, just want to unload the house. Maybe you inherited a house. You don't want to deal with it and fix it up. Or you lived there a long time and you don't have the money to fix it up. You need to move? Well, don't worry about that. If you, if you need to move and you don't want people traipsing through the house and there's the uncertainty of selling on the open market, all of these reasons and more. If you're ready to sell your house and move, the easy solution is go see my friends at iBuySD.com. Check it out online, iBuySD.com. Avoid expensive realtor fees and all the work that comes from a traditional sale. Hey, it's stressful to sell your home. They make it simple. They make it easy. They'll buy your house as is. No fixing, no cleaning, no strangers in your home, no going back and forth with buyers who don't really have any interest, no realtor fees, no escrow fees. Again, sell it as is. Any size, any condition, any price, I buy SD will buy your house as is. If you want to sell your house, call 858-879-0633 or go to iBuySD.com. This is San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Mark Larson here live on San Diego's Talk. Hey, I'm 760, our number 800-760-5362. How's your day going? Nathan Fletcher is uh, holding a press conference as we speak down at the county administration building with, well, it's been billed as experts, medical experts. Um, see, anytime anybody says that, you go, oh, I guess we'll have to trust them. They're medical experts. Well, there are medical experts on both sides of anything, in particular the COVID-19 stuff, right? There are, yes, indeed, medical experts who disagree, different doctors who agree with what Newsom's saying and then who disagree with what Newsom's saying. But Fletcher, who did the official blurb after the Thursday closed-door session, closed session with the San Diego Board of Supervisors, all five of them, and they didn't really get anything done then. They kicked that over to today. They're doing a five o'clock meeting today. So Fletcher, just like he did after the meeting where they were told, my understanding is the supervisors got told by the chair, Greg Cox, and by legal counsel that no one is supposed to do anything to talk about what was done in the closed door session, especially because they're going to pick it up again today at five, as they will. Also in hush hush session. So Fletcher goes out and does a news blurb and says, well, I can't talk about it, but, and then he pretty much says, we should be fighting the virus. We should not be fighting the state of California. In other words, I called Gavin and I'm cozy with him and let's just stick with that. Okay, so he'll vote no no matter what it is. So today we'll find out what they do. Uh, Jim Desmond, county supervisor, is going to join us live at 11.05 next hour. 
again, the county will do their thing at, at, at 5. That will be closed session, so we won't hear anything from them. You'll hear Newsom today at noon on News Radio 600 Kogo. That may set the table probably for a lot of things, and he may indicate whether or not San Diego is going back on the naughtiest of naughty lists tomorrow. Then we'll be fighting words for most of the supervisors, not Nathan. He'll go with what our Newsom wants. That's been pretty clear. So there's also a protest by a lot of the businesses, restaurant owners and so forth, like the Cowboy Star Restaurant. They're doing that. I think that's the same place down by the county building at four today to say, hey, let us open with the protocols and then you can't keep turning us on and turning us off. It's going to kill more business. Newsom knows that, but he doesn't want to let up on power. That's the other part of this. Now, I'm not saying let's all be just crazy about protocol. Okay, so let's, let's do the protocols, but let the county, big boys and girls here, so let the county do the decisions. That would help, right? So speaking of the county, the Sandag board met on Friday. They're going to wait till this week, but they sped it up. Good. Because of the controversial audit, which they say is controversial, it's an audit. Audits are not always, you don't always go, wow, that was a great audit. Fantastic. Unless you're doing things right. If you're not, then you sometimes fear the auditor. So Sandag hired their, you know, Hassan Akrata and his team of managers, etc., hired the first independent auditor, Mary Kashmashrab, and then she did the audit as they requested, and then it comes out with all the things we've talked about, including with her a few days ago. So the meeting uh, did get uncomfortable at various times, and I watched a lot of parts of it. I keep coming back to it. It sure feels like it's a little sexist, too. It's just... <laughs> Uh, Mary's back with us, Mary Kashmashwab, the independent auditor for Sandag. Did you feel really independent in the course of that meeting? Uh, hi, Mark. How are you? Uh, yeah. No, uh, I really didn't at that at that meeting. Um, I kind of felt like an us versus them or really a me versus them, uh, which was a little disappointing. And I felt like uh, the meeting lost, uh, kind of went sideways, um, which was kind of sad for me as well. So they're now, I guess the good news is the chairman, Steve Voss, chairman out of the members there um, was for, and I, I guess the majority was for, digging into this more. They're going to have somebody else outside take a look at it, at the, including the things you talked about, the controversial uh, money that wasn't approved going to the board as you saw that it should have been. Um, they're trying to say that Ikrata did it all, what, did it right? Or you overreacted or got too political or what are they saying? You know, what I, I really wish um, the public would understand, and really the board members um, understand, because I felt like it got lost again, and maybe it was an intentional loss um, from management um, at this point. It really is not a legal issue. And for us uh, at Sandad to continue spending and wasting public dollars on hiring more legal opinions um, kind of frustrates me as an auditor, uh, because what I tried to ring clear uh, several times uh, during that meeting was this is not a legal disagreement. As far as legal, uh, their legal opinion goes, we don't disagree with their legal opinion. They define what a colorable claim or a potential claim would be, and we agree under those conditions that would be an appropriate colorable or uh, potential claim. And that's not our argument, really. Our argument is there was no policy, there was no controls, there was no delegated authority, there was no approved um, policy that would allow this um, authority um, by the governing board. And, and really, it had nothing, and it still has nothing to do with that legal opinion. So, 
If you listen back at the audit committee, you'll hear the attorney himself say, I believe me and the auditors agree. And we do agree. Hmm. So my question is, why keep diverting the conversation to what is a pointless point, in my opinion? We agree with the attorneys. That's not the problem, and that's not the issue in this audit. So there's a lot of passive-aggressive stuff going on here, it seems. And you're the recipient of it. Yeah, and 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 again, um, you know, I sent another um, email to the chair and the vice chair after the meeting because I was quite disturbed about getting yet another legal opinion. This is not a legal opinion matter. This is an audit, and as an audit, we found that there was insufficient evidence that should have existed at the time the audit was performed that allowed for these actions to take place. It is not about what a colorable or a potential claim is and could they or couldn't they do it. It is all about just not having the support, not having a policy in place, not following policies that are in place, and lack of supporting documentation around the whole thing. So, again, this was an audit done at the management, you know, Hassan Akrata and the management team request hiring you, Mary Kosmashrab, as the as the independent auditor with a staff of what a couple people, a couple of interns. You don't have any attorneys. You do your job as you've been doing for for more than what a quarter of a century. You've done in, in Sacramento. You've yeah. seen a lot, a lot of things, right? Right, long time. Yeah, you know that's the 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 other disappointing thing is actually I wasn't hired by management or Hassan Akrata. That's what I think should be really pointed out here, too. It's an independent office. I was hired by the board. By by the board. That's what I mean. So so the board hired you. Yeah, the board would do. So, again, if a nonprofit, for example, and I'm on some nonprofit boards, and we have an audit that we need to do, you know, according to the rules, and... Yeah, management doesn't hide it. It doesn't uh, doesn't do the hiring, but the board does. So the board did, and then of course the reason you do that is to make sure things are moving smoothly. There were questions about compensation, uh, who's paying what. If 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 the message since Hasanic Rada got there almost two years ago is that we're out of money, then where's the money gone? If he doesn't have money to do the improvements to the freeways we often talk about through the Transnet deal, it's a logical question. So you go back over five years of compensation and you find, as you say, some right. some ir- irregularities. You find things that need explanation. And then all of a sudden, the management at that point doesn't like you because you brought, as will happen with audits, but the attitude is supposed to be, let's look into this, let's, let's fix this. But there are bigger questions, it seems to me, with where other money is gone. You know, why isn't the money there with with decades of transnet tax to fix freeways? So absolutely. And and that and that's really what this audit points to. And unfortunately it's been lost completely. Um and I don't know, like I said, maybe intentionally that the that management is trying to refocus or redirect the attention on this legal matter. First off, we are not um, legal experts as auditors. We are not attorneys to express a assertion or an assumption of, of law. We are, however, auditors who every single thing we audit is law-based. And so for them to say that I don't have the experience to interpret law, they're wrong. I absolutely have 25 years, and all of our audits are based on a governing code, a rule, a regulation, or a law. So if we, we have to gain that understanding, and we have to look at other audits that have had uh, similar 
criteria applied. We look at past audits where um, circumstances were similar. But but most of all, we look at the evidence that we've accumulated and, and came up with to support our findings. So the whole spill of me not having the knowledge or capability of interpreting law, that's completely wrong. Um, and, and if you look at any audit, and I'll give you a perfect example of the city of Bell. The city of Bell was mm. told their, their, their excuse for why they did what they did was because the attorneys told them they could. Well, we see what happened there, right? So my, my whole point is this is an audit, and it needs to be brought back and refocused as an audit, not a legal matter. And what really needs to pay, people need to really look at is there's weaknesses in controls. They're not following policies and procedures, or they don't have policies that were developed at the governing board right. level. And if that's happening and, 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 and these actions around this scope of audit occurred, then you have to ask yourself what else around other scopes also have weaknesses in control, also are not following policy. And that's what this focus should really be about and what the board should really be concerned with, not hiring another legal opinion that's pointless because we don't disagree with the first. Yeah. Well, and that is what it is. And there's all the questions about how your your full audit got posted and, you know, with a whole right. expanded preamble and all that. So many questions. And the more that we get into this, the more more questions it seems that will be on the horizon, including where's the rest of the money been going? We'll see how this goes. You're still there, though. You're still there in your job. They haven't sent you packing. So not yet. <laughs> that's good to know. Hang in there. Keep us posted, Mary. Thank you much. I will. Thank you. Mary Kashmashrab, who is the uh, independent auditor hired by Sandag by the board. Uh, and, you know, it's the board that manages the thing overall. And then the uh, the manager, um, the executive director, Hassan Akrata, um, wasn't real fond of the reports. And now the battle is on. But it's going to take, I heard one thing, I heard Steve Voss mentioned as chairman, it's going to be 60 days. I've heard others say it might be 90 days. So They'll look in and then, you know, most likely they'll come back and say that the independent auditor was correct. And now there are other things to look into. We'll see. At least I hope that's what it is, because that would be, that would be a logical way to do it. But these aren't logical times politically, aren't they? Uh, 800-760-5362. More on what's next on the Supreme Court dilemma. And boy, that's going to get ugly. Coming up in a minute. Uh, veterans, listen up. If you have a VA home loan in Southern California, you can refi now at a great new rate. Lock in a new 30-year fixed rate at just 2.25%. That's 2.29 APR. Talking about my friends at Loan Pronto and how good they are when it comes to the newer, smarter, better source for home loans at rates you never thought possible. Right now at Loan Pronto, get a VA loan with a rate of 2.25%, 30-year fixed, with no cash, do it closing. And no hassle, no paperwork, no income documentation, no appraisal. And if you refi now, you can even skip your next house payment entirely. Loan Pronto, all digital, all streamlined, no hassle, no paperwork, no junk, lender fees. Call now if you're a veteran. Call 619-207-4336 or LoanPronto.com. Get a new 30-year fixed rate loan. Veterans with a 2.25% rate, just 2.29 APR with zero cash due at closing, no income documentation, no appraisal. 619-207-4336, LoanPronto.com. Equal housing lender, NMLS 1661781, subject to lender approval, not all loans eligible for 2.41% APR. iHeartRadio. 
Studios created a playlist perfect for any mood, any activity, any moment in your life. And we all have ours, don't we? Moments. Thousands of iHeart playlists, uh, iHeart radio playlists. You find one perfect for any moment. There's, You can make one for what do we do over the Supreme Court justice? Why do we do it over the pick? Why uh, it's not fair to do this before an election. Yeah, it is. Uh, whatever. You can get the uh, perfect mood uh, soundtrack to match any mood. Going out, going in, staying around, fleeing, whatever you're doing. The free iHeartRadio app. Uh, Nathan Fletcher is uh, as county supervisor doing his preemptive strike. A lot of that's one, two, three. Watching the video, we're one, two, three people in white lab coats. So that means, and they're wearing masks except when they're speaking at the lectern. Uh, oh, the placard on the on the lectern there at the podium says, "Be safe, be strong, beat COVID." So this is Fletcher doing his look. I can be a, like a governor stance. County supervisor preempting things before the county, before, well, before Newsom speaks at noon. And I'll bet you he and Gavin have talked, and this is part of what Newsom will say at noon on News Radio 600 Kogo, that this, let's rise above politics, they say while they're doing politics, and let's be very careful, right? And let's just beat this disease first. Let's beat the virus, right? As opposed to challenging the apparently very perfect public health officials and the state of California and the governor. So, yeah, uh, Nathan's just running a show. It, look, the optics are good, all socially distanced. Oh, there's four people in lab coats. So it must be really serious. He has medical experts who are saying this is the only way to do this, as opposed to what the supervisors may do in their closed-door meeting part two today. Uh, trust us, we follow the science. Well, there's a lot of subjective stuff there, too. Um, is this cool? Well, I guess it's legal, but it's obvious as to what it is. So the governor speak at noon. There's no official county pronouncement today, which is why I think Fletcher's out there doing his own thing. He'll vote no on anything that at all challenges the governor, challenging on if we stay in tier two, which is more open than the worst tier one, the purple. We're still in the red zone. And my indications, my sources have it that that even with keeping the San Diego State positive numbers in there, because some of those are trending downward now too, that we may be just in, in tomorrow's Tuesday snapshot, we may be just as a county, uh, just a little bit under the 7% threshold, or we may just get another bit of a breather. So everybody who's sweating, I, I hope that's right, may be wrong. And, and the governor may change the rules again, right? So we won't know until we get there. But all that will mean is we get another week to just keep it as it is now. The business owners, many of them are holding a rally at the county of their own at 4 o'clock today to watch that monitor that for you as well. Of course, everybody talking about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That was almost like an October surprise. You realize how many far left, I don't even want to say just Democrats, far lefties, took about, oh, I don't know, a nanosecond to start tweeting. They waited just that long, boop, tweeting about how horrible Ruth Bader Ginsburg was to die now, that she should have retired earlier so that other Democrats, Obama or someone, could have, or, or they thought Hillary was going to win. The tantrum is amazing to watch. And the big talk is now, well, the, uh, McConnell, the, Mitch McConnell, the turtle in the Senate, changed all the rules, and, and uh, they're just going to jam this through. You know who changed the rules? The Democrats in the Senate did. <laughs> they did that back in, what, 2014, something like that, right? And then they lose the Senate. So what happens? Then the new majority gets to deal with your rules. You used to have to have 60 votes to move ahead with a judicial appointment like this. So... You know, there's two things constitutionally that have to happen. The president nominates 
Doesn't say anything about don't do it before an election. By the way, it's been done many times before an election, including back, back, way back. Tell you more about that next hour. But just two, two constitutional provisions. President nominates and then the Senate, in the role of advise and consent, the Senate then decides to take action. They took action on Merrick Garland, Obama's nominee in 2016. Obama and company and Schumer just didn't like the action. They, they just said, we're not going to bring it to a vote. That's the Senate making a decision. That's constitutional. There's another question. If you want to have eight justices, which we now have as opposed to nine, because Ginsburg's passed, it's good. We're going to need a full complement with the way this election is going to go. Think about that and more. San Diego's Talk, AM 760.